0: Hey guys, I'm Lorena, and thanks for checking out this message today. We're so glad that you're here, and we want to connect with you and your family. So please text RIVERCONNECT to 97000, and you can also um, visit our website at theriverchurch.cc to learn more about us and all the upcoming events we have. And lastly, if you want to give to the River Church today, you can text the amount you want to give to 84321, or you can head to our website and click the Give tab at the top of the page. Uh, Thanks again for joining us, and we hope that you enjoy today's message. have your Bibles, go ahead and open them to Isaiah chapter 9. As you saw in the introduction, we're starting a new series. Uh, You can get the book. We have uh, study guides and devotionals for the month of December for you to walk through. Uh, You can get it at guest service. And it's rooted in this passage in Isaiah chapter 9 where there is uh, Isaiah prophesying about a coming child and he lists some names, and that's where we get the title of the book, Expecting, right? When you have a, a new child, this is something that you go through, you start listing through, or you're pregnant, you start thinking of the names to name a child, right? And so I, uh, I can remember, I it was very much a part of naming every single one of my, my children, and I had a purpose behind every single one of their names. My oldest, her name is Elena, which... I looked up somewhere, it means shining light, and so my intention in naming her that was to hope and pray that she would be a shining light for the gospel of Jesus, right? And my middle child, her name's Lola. Now, I don't know, there's a lot of different meanings to the name Lola, but the one that I liked the most, and I can't even, I tried to look it up, figure it out, but when I was looking for names, Lola meant fierce warrior, right? She has red hair, I didn't know she was going to have red hair. But it's a fitting title for her, and our hope and our prayer for her name, Lola, Fierce Warrior, was that she would be a fierce warrior for the cause and the purpose in the kingdom of heaven, for the cause of Christ. And Bella, Bella is Isabella, beloved of God, cherished God is, is, and so she's just this aspect of this joy of the, of the Lord, the joy of the Father. And so when we pick names, right, we, we often have meanings behind them. They're not just random names. Maybe some are. I've heard some more modern names, and I'm like, I have no clue what that means. It's okay. I'm sure there's meaning behind it. But as we get into the book of Isaiah, in the, in the chapter 9 that we're walking in, Isaiah lists some names of a coming king, a coming servant, it has particular meaning behind these names. Now, before we get into the text, I really want to create the context around the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is a, it's a fascinating book as you start to study it. If we're, we're not going to take the whole four or five weeks uh, of, of really diving into Isaiah, but I want to give you a 30,000-view picture of the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is, you know, the first couple chapters are him being called into ministry, if you will, and where he is going to serve the Lord. And the condition of the nation of Israel, when Isaiah is called, is absolutely in shambles. They are a rebellious people. They are in sin. They have rejected every aspect of the promises of God. And they find themselves in this position where God has to send a messenger to to deal with the problem. And so what we see in the, overri- the, the big picture theme of Isaiah is really this contrast between the hopeless and the hope that is to come. The hopeless is the, this essence that, hey, we, we find ourselves in sin, we find ourselves in enmity, if you will, against God and his purpose and his word. We find ourselves completely rebelling against him. That's the state of hopelessness, the warning that comes in continuing to to walk in this rejection and denying of the Father, of God. And in the midst of that, you see that side of it alongside with the message of hope. The message of a promised hope that will come, that will solve and deal with the problem. And so as you walk through Isaiah, you see him take what the Israelites would have would have understood, and he takes it as a term of, uh, of um, relatability, you could say. He uses what we would call the Davidic, uh, the Davidic terms, the Davidic things of kings. He talks about a king that's coming, and he contrasts the King David versus the, their current king, King Ahaz. King Ahaz being an absolute apostate king. And they, uh, Isaiah tries to draw the people's attention to like, hey, remember when we had the good old days with King David? how we would desire that man we were in good standing we had a a good king we were pleasing we were we were doing things that were pleasing to God we were walking in his statutes his commandments and he takes this really relatable term to the people of Israel it might be a little bit unrelatable to us but to them and he says listen these two kings you you understand the difference of good versus bad and he's like and i want to in, in the context of that, point you to an even greater king that is to come. Paul talks about and lays this message down of the awesome future promised king that is to come in contrast to those two kings. What we see Isaiah laying out in the book is a warning, a very strong, strong warning. In fact, at the end of chapter 5, you read it and it is a very dark chapter of the condition of the people. And so there's this warning that comes to the, the nation of Israel, the Israelites, that, that they, there is something that's really bad, this, this aspect of hopelessness. Man, there's a problem we've got to deal with. If we don't address this, we're going to have calamity fall on us. And, of course, we know through the history that is recorded in Isaiah, prophesies of the history that is now, now history. At that time, it was prophecy of what would happen to the nation of Israel. Of course, a Syrian army would come in and take over and absolutely demolish the, the northern states of the kingdom of Israel. So we have the history recorded. Isaiah is writing this warning, this hopelessness that is to come. But in the midst of all of this, in the midst of all of this, he, he's teaching them and pointing them again and again to the promise of a future hope. The promise of what is to come. The deliverer, the deliverance, the redeemer. These are words he uses. What we see in the latter part of Isaiah as he starts to walk through one of their other kings, King Hezekiah. We see the heart of the people of Israel. The illustration of Hezekiah is this. Though he has received the word of God, the promises of God, if you will... We see in Hezekiah this this aspect where he denies all of those promises of God of security and deliverance, and he chooses to find another means to get that security and deliverance. That's through another nation, through a treaty that he makes with them, and they deny the very words of God, the promises of God, and we see what happens is this, this constant rejection of Israel towards their God course, with the hopelessness that we see in that, Isaiah is very firm in continuing in the midst of hopelessness to point to the true purpose, the promise, the message of hope. The message of what you would say is grace and mercy of, the, of a God that cares for his people. And you see this, this aspect being laid out is God has a plan for his people, but he also has to deal with judging and the judgment of sin. And it depends on where you land, right, where you are in relationship with God that you find yourself in either the position of hopelessness or the position of hope. And it is in the midst of this context that Isaiah is writing about a child that comes, a future child that will come. And when this child comes, it's interesting how he... he, he, he states this. He says there is a king that is coming and this king, the promise, the hope is that sin will be covered and canceled. And that this king, this Lord, he is a servant, he's also called a redeemer, would bring the people back to God because they have utterly rejected him. This king will bear their sins. But the Lord... The Lord is telling the people who are continuing to reject him, God is telling him, hey, listen, I have the hope ready to execute. That hope is the person that this prophecy, Isaiah, this prophet Isaiah, the prophecy of the coming king, this hope is, in fact, Jesus. And Isaiah, towards the latter part of the book, he starts talking about when, in fact, these people will be free from oppression, free from sin. And in fact, this king, this suffering servant, he uses both of those things. This king who comes initially as a suffering servant, but will one day rule and reign as king. He will come to wipe away everyone's tears. You see this recorded in Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 3. But at the and he'll come and put an oppression or put an end to the oppressor's And he will, by himself, be able to execute a double work of both redemption, that is the hope, that is the promise, and he will also execute vengeance, that's hopelessness, that's the warning. And it is in the context of the entire book of Isaiah that we find this prophecy of a child to come. So let's read the text, let's read the text in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9 verses 6 through 7 says this For to us a child is born to us a son is given and the government shall be upon his shoulder and his name shall be called wonderful counselor mighty god everlasting father prince of peace. Of the increase of his government and of peace, there will be no end. On the throne of David and over his kingdom, to establish it and to uphold it with justice and with righteousness from this time forth forevermore. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will, in fact, do this. Let's pray and we'll figure out how to take some of these things, these names. Today we're going to focus particularly on the term, the name given to Jesus, Wonderful Counselor. Let's take a look and see how what we learn from what the Israelites walked through, the warning and the promise, how that can apply to us as well in this day and age. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, I just pray that you would give me strength, give me wisdom, Lord. Lord, speak through me. Lord, we desire your spirit to move and teach us and guide us. Lord, we ask that this would happen this morning in each and every one of our lives. Lord, I don't know all the circumstances or situations that everybody's walking through, but you do. So, Lord, I just pray that through these words of yours recorded from us for us in Isaiah would be an encouragement and an upliftment to those who need to hear it. To me, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, as you walk through the book of Isaiah, it's interesting. I read a commentary. It was Tyndale's Old Testament commentary. When it comes to the the book of Isaiah, he calls Isaiah the, the Paul of the Old Testament. It's really fascinating to consider. Isaiah is the Paul of the Old Testament. He says, he says this is why uh, Isaiah is considered the Paul of the Old Testament because just like Paul, Isaiah insists on, insists on the priority, the first and main priority is for God's people is, in fact, his promises. It's a constant teaching of how important God's promises are to his people. So just like Paul teaching that, Isaiah is also in the same category. He also says Isaiah is the Hebrew of the Old Testament. The book of Hebrews in the New Testament, if you've ever read it. He says that Isaiah is just like Hebrew in that during difficult times, the author of Hebrew teaches that faith is in fact the strengthening factor or the the factor that gets you through difficult times. That this aspect of faith is recorded in the book of Hebrews. This commentator also said, Isaiah is like the book of James in the Old Testament. So you have three major books of the New Testament that Isaiah carries significant similarities to. The writings of Paul, the writing of the book of Hebrews, and the writings of James. And the reason that the similarity of the book of Isaiah is with James is because James teaches, just like Isaiah teaches... That faith works. And ultimately that obedience is, in fact, the very best way. And so we see this laid out as we have walked through this and see that that Isaiah is a significant text in the, in the, the whole scheme of Scriptures for us to really understand. Though it is directed towards a nation, the people of Israel, there's a lot of things we can take from that That can apply to us today in this day and age. Let me share some things. We see that Israel was given God's word. Just like today, we as a people have been given God's word. And so Isaiah is laying out what the words of God are as a warning and an understanding that is both a warning and a promise depending on how the nation receives it. And so just like Israel, we have God's Word given to us, and we have the choice to make of whether or not we are going to listen to it or we are going to reject it. The other thing we have in common with Israel is we have, just as Isaiah records, they have been told that they are sinners and they are rebelling against God. We know this as the fact of the human condition today. When we really examine our lives, when we really look at our own selves, in reflection to who God is, we all will find ourselves falling short. And we'll find our hearts, if we really truly examine it, as a heart that is in rebellion against God. And just like Israel, we have a very similar aspect of our own hearts and the own condition that we find ourselves in. We are denying, in a sense, our very maker and our creator. And of course, Just as Isaiah records, we know the rest of the scripture records that if you continue to reject the Lord, you will find yourself in a state of eternal hopelessness. A rejection of God will lead to a state of eternal hopelessness. That's not where Isaiah ends, and that's not where we end Though that is the condition we find ourselves in, Isaiah teaches also that there is a promise to the people of Israel. There is a hope that is coming to the people of Israel. And we have that same promise laid out for us in the Gospels, in the person of Jesus. That we have, in fact, a hope. What it requires us to do is first and foremost recognize the promise, to know who the promise is speaking of. And then putting our faith, in fact, in this promise. And so when you go back to this passage, this main text that we see, where Isaiah is laying down this foundation of the the coming promise, the future promise, what we we can see very clearly laid out at the very beginning of these verses is that Isaiah is prophesying of a 100% human being as well as a 100% divine being. Let me show you what I mean. As the passage begins in verse 6, Isaiah records for us, For us, a child is born. A human child is born. And a son is given. That means it is a male human child, is where the prophecy and the promise lies. And as he continues in there, he says, The government will rest on his shoulders, which means he comes as a male human with the authority to rule and to reign. This is spoken of long before Jesus even entered and stepped foot on this earth, nearly 400 years prior to the coming Christ. Isaiah speaks that there will be a male child who will be born, who will come with complete authority. And then he goes in and he says, and his name will be called. And this this is not his literal name. What he's describing here, what Isaiah is is doing for the people of Israel and to help us even in this day is to say, Hey, listen, this is the character and behavior that you will recognize in this coming hope, in this coming child. Obviously, there are a lot of male human beings born. How do you distinguish them from one from the other? Isaiah says, this is how you will distinguish. He will come with these character traits. He will come with these attributes, if you will. the first one we see listed for us is this name called Wonderful Counselor. While we see Isaiah recording for us the aspect that that this coming hope is 100% human, we also see in the very names listed that he is 100% divine of, of the nature of God. And what is the significance? Why, does that, why is that so important for us to grasp and understand that we have a God or a person named a wonderful counselor being 100% human as well as being 100% God? Why is that so important? Well, I think it's very significant when we understand as we walk through the very first name, wonderful counselor. The very first word that comes in that name, the word wonderful, if you go to the Hebrew word, is a very closely, it's probably the Hebrew's very, very closest word associated to what we would use in our language as supernatural. That word wonder in the Hebrew language is our closest word for supernatural. So we see in Isaiah's description of the coming promise, he is in fact a human male child with all authority, but he is also of the supernatural nature. And he comes with, that word counselor, incredible supernatural wisdom. Why is that significant? Well, when we recognize the condition Israel was in, as well as our own selves that we find ourselves in this state of rebellion, rejection, denial of who God the Father really, truly is, what we see is we need, in fact, a counselor. As I think was thinking in my own head about this word counselor, things like an attorney, right? Like, hey, if I do something wrong, <laughs> I need an attorney, right? It's going to help me. Or maybe if you are in school and you go to your, I remember as going to my university, right? Like I would go speak with the counselor to help me navigate the incredible different options I had as a university. So I'd go talk to the counselor to help me navigate my path in a direction that, that I didn't fully even get early on as a student, right? And Maybe I would call that an advocate, Somebody that's advocating, directing, helping me go in the right direction. If you've been married for a while, maybe you've talked with a counselor about your relationship. Another word in my head that would come in my mind is this term mediator, right? You have two opposing sides and you have to bring somebody that's neutral in the middle of the conversation to mediate and to help navigate. Another term closely associated with the term mediator mediator is intercessory, somebody that that jumps in the middle, that makes intercessions, that that kind of navigates the conflict between two parties. And so when you consider the term laid out here, wonderful counselor, the name given to this future hope to the people of Israel, as well as to us, you start to understand why it's so important that Jesus is 100% human, as well as 100% God. He is the most qualified to be able to navigate and intercede, mediate, advocate for those who are lost, rebelling against God, as well as understand the divine, perfect nature of God. And there's a massive gap between those who are lost, rebelling, going against the things of God, and where God's at, and so there's this huge gap, and how do we fill it, other than with this promise, hope, of a wonderful counselor, right? He takes both sides and he's able to mediate. He's able to advocate and he's able to intercede on behalf. And this is really the foundation. We actually see Isaiah early on in Isaiah chapter 1 referencing this aspect, teaching the people of Israel how important it is to have good counsel. Isaiah chapter 1 verses 26 through 28, says this, and I will restore, speaking of the good old days, right? I will restore your judges as they were at the first, and your counselors as they were at the beginning. Afterward, you, the people, shall be called the city of righteousness, the faithful city. Zion shall be redeemed by justice, and those in her who repent will be redeemed by righteousness but the so there's the message of hope but the message of hopelessness is this but the rebels and the sinners shall be broken together and those who forsake the lord shall be consumed and so this aspect of needing an incredible counselor to navigate the position we find ourselves in broken we are rebellious our heart is contrary to the things of God we need somebody that's going to counsel us and direct us in wise instruction we would say supernatural instructions to help us figure out how to mend the problem we've created in our human condition being so far apart from who God is and I love this because this is something that is affirmed in the person of who Jesus is in the New Testament. In 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul is speaking to Timothy. And he says this, beginning in verse 3, This is good and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior. That our God desires that all people would be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. So the father's desire in this, this, this gap we find ourselves is that his desire is that those who are uh, far away from the truth would learn it and come to understand what needs to happen to mend the relationship. And as you continue in this passage, you see in verse 5, him say this, For there is one God, and there is, here's the key word, one mediator, one counselor, one advocate between God and man. That man is Christ Jesus. This man, Christ Jesus, gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. So we see Paul affirming what Isaiah is saying to the people of Israel, and we see Paul affirming that, hey, listen, we need a mediator. We need a wise counselor. We've screwed it up. We've messed it up. Our hearts are completely contrary to the things of God. We need, in fact, a wise counselor. book of Hebrews, we mentioned this. Isaiah is very similar to the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews affirms very much what Isaiah is referencing in this aspect of wise counselor. Hebrews chapter 7, beginning in verse 23, speaks of these things. The former priests were many in number because they were prevented by death from continuing in office. This is speaking of the Old Testament priesthood. But he, that is the coming promise, the person of Jesus, he holds his priesthood permanently because he continues forever. Consequently, he is able to save to the uttermost those who draw near to God through him since he always lives to make intercessions for them. You see, Hebrews is affirming the very nature and character of who Jesus is. As Isaiah prophesied of the future hope that was to come for Israel and really all the nations, you see, you see the book of Hebrews affirming, hey, here is the one who is, in fact, what Isaiah prophesied about. He's the one to come and give counsel, to give intercession, to be the mediator for us in our conflict between God and humans. God and man. As he continues in that same passage, verse 26 For it was indeed fitting that we should have such a high priest, one who is holy, innocent, unstained, separated from sinners, and exalted above the heavens. As Isaiah spoke of this young child that would come, who was of human origin, he was a male and would come with all authority. Here in the book of Hebrews, we see this attribute attributed to Jesus himself, that he was placed above the heavens. He has all the authority. In fact, Matthew 28, when Jesus gives the Great Commission, says, all authority in heaven and on earth have been given to me. And so we see the prophecy that was written long before Jesus came being affirmed over and over and over again in the New Testament. Hebrews chapter 9, again, another passage. How much more will the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without blemish to God, how much more will He purify our conscience from dead works to serve the living God? Therefore, verse 15, He is the mediator of a new covenant, so that those who are called may receive the promise eternal inheritance Since a death has occurred that redeems them from these transgressions committed under the first covenant. Again, here we are again talking about the the contrast between the perfection of God and the the struggles of humanity. That we are sinful beings. And what is the bridge that, that connects those two? It is what Isaiah prophesies is the coming hope of Israel. And for us in the New Testament, it is in fact the promise of the Savior. The person of Jesus. That he, in fact, is the affirmed child that Isaiah prophesied about. He is our wonderful counselor. Hebrews chapter 12. As Hebrews continues, I'll begin in verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal gathering, and to the assembly of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, the judge of all, the one who has all authority, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, and to Jesus. Again, you see this affirmation of the person of Jesus, the mediator, the counselor, the wonderful counselor, the one who bridges the gap of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks speaks a better word than the blood of Abel, Verse 25, see that you do not refuse him who is speaking. For if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth, much less will we escape if we reject him who warns us from heaven. You see the similar aspects of Isaiah laid out. Hey, there's a warning. There's something that you have to deal with. There's a problem We have this issue with God, our creator and our maker, where our heart is rebellious against him. We've rejected him. We've sinned against him. We need somebody to counsel us how to get us back in good standing. We need a mediator. We need an advocate. We need somebody to step in between as an intercessor. Isaiah is speaking of this prophecy of this future promise, hope that is to come in the form of a servant as well as in the form of a king here we see the new testament scriptures affirming every aspect of this that isaiah is prophesying in fact when we go to 1 john chapter 2 many different authors affirm this not just the book of hebrews he writes this my little children i'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin but if anyone does sin in other words if anybody finds themselves in this place of hopelessness in this position where they are against god where they have rebelled and they find themselves in this position guess what First John gives us and speaks us of the promised message that Isaiah spoke of all the way back 400 years before Jesus came. He says this, if we sin and we find ourselves in that position, we have an advocate. We have somebody that is going to step in on our behalf. We have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous, the one who is perfect. The one who came in as human form and walked perfect the way God designed it to be. The one who is both 100% man as well as 100% God. Knows the expectations, standards, and holiness of God as well as the frailty of humanity. He is the perfect mediator. He is the perfect advocate. He is the perfect counselor. Romans chapter 8 verse 33, 34. Who is to condemn? It's a question Paul is asking. He says, Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised? Who is at the right hand of God? Who comes with all the authority of the Father? Just as Isaiah prophesied. Then he says this, who indeed is interceding for us? You see, the, the message that is laid out in the book of Isaiah is this promise, hope, for the nation of Israel. They found themselves in complete rejection of who God was and is. They denied his promises. They denied his word. I would even say they did went one step further. They did not only deny the word of God, but they denied the very God who spoke the words. Here we see over and over again this aspect of confirmation in the words of Isaiah, the prophecy of Isaiah. As well as in the New Testament. You see, and this is what, what makes us see why it is so important, why we actually need a wonderful counselor. Why, when we look at the, the Old Testament, and we see this prophecy of a child that is to come as we walk through this season in Christmas, as we are the time where we celebrate the very birth of Jesus. Why is it so significant? Because we find ourselves, quite frankly, in the same state that the nation of Israel found themselves. Rebellion, rejection, denial. In fact, as Isaiah says in several of the passages, he kind of describes the heart of the people. This is, quite frankly, where most of humanity finds itself when they are not in relationship with God, when they are not dealing with the fact that they are contrary to and in a rebellious state against God. They find themselves very similar to this. Listen to what Isaiah says about the people of Israel. Chapter 1, verse 30. For you shall be like an oak whose leaf withers, and like a garden without water. And the strong shall become tender, and his work a spark, and both of them shall be burned together with none to quench them. What is Isaiah saying there? Listen. If you deny the promises of God, you deny His message of hope, and you rely solely on your own strength and in your own work. Guess what? It's just going to end up being burnt up with nothing to put it out. Useless, hopeless. Again, we see the contrast of the big theme of Isaiah, the message of hope and the warning of hopelessness. Isaiah five chapter uh, Isaiah chapter five verses eleven through twelve. Woe to those who rise up early in the morning. That they may run after strong drink, who tarry late into the evening as wine inflames them. This is not an aspect of condemning alcohol. It's an aspect of condemning the condition of a heart. Because listen what he continues to say. Verse 12, they have lyre and harp, tambourine and flute, and wine at their feasts. But what? But they do not regard the deeds of the Lord, the promises of the Lord, the word of the Lord, nor do they see the works of his hand. Isaiah 5 continues, verse 18, and this warning is laid out again Woe to those who draw iniquity or sin with cords of falsehood, who draw sin as with cart ropes. In other words, what I say is saying is, hey, listen, there's a warning. Listen, don't just be playing with the sin and bringing it around like it's something important you got to have. Deal with the sin. Deal with the problem. If you just keep taking sin with you everywhere you go, you're going to find yourself in the state where you're like a tree that withers, Whether, where you're like a garden that has no water, where you'll be burned up and quenched if you're reliant on your work and your own self. In your own strength, Isaiah is affirming in all of these passages, these warnings, the condition of the people of Israel, and he really is a mirror for us to look and examine our own hearts. Hey, how do I deal with the things that God has laid out in his word? Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, woe to those who call evil good and good evil put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. <laughs> Isaiah is warning the people just like we need to be warned. Man, if we think we're going to be able to walk into heaven because of our own intellect and our own intelligence, we've missed the wise counsel that is laid out for us in the book of Isaiah and the rest of the scriptures in the gospel. If we think that we can do it on our own and with our own strength, we can make things right before a holy God while we are broken and in a sinful state, we have a gross misunderstanding of what the scripture and the hope is for a person that Isaiah prophesied and that we see in the coming birth of Christ. Isaiah chapter 30. If you really want to see a clear picture of the human condition, Isaiah chapter 30 is a profound passage, scary, profound passage. Isaiah chapter 30, and verse 8, it says this. This is obviously speaking of the people of Israel, but it is very reflective of our current human condition. It says this in verse 8 And now go write it before them on a tablet and inscribe it in a book. That it may be for the time to come as a witness forever. Judgment, authority. Verse 9. For they are a rebellious people. They are lying children. Children, listen to this, unwilling to hear the instruction of the Lord. Unwilling to hear the words of a wonderful, wise counselor. Verse 10. Who say to the seers, do not see. And to the prophets, do not prophesy to us what is right. Do not tell us the truth. Man, this, this reflects the human condition, our culture. No one wants to hear the truth. Listen to what he continues to say. He says this as he's speaking, speak to us smooth things. The New Testament says it like this, just tickle my ears so I hear what I want to hear. Don't tell me the truth about this warning. Don't tell me the truth about sin and the condition I find myself against God. Just tell me what pleases me. Smooth things. Make it easy for me to hear what you're saying. Stop Stop telling us the truth. Stop speaking what is right. Just tell me what I want to hear. Wow. This does not reflect the human condition we find our culture and our world in today. I don't know what does. As he continues, he, he says this. Speak to us these smooth things. Prophesy illusions. In other words, tell us, tell us, I would use this word, give us a Delusion. Let me live in my fantasy. Let me live in my current sin and my current state. Let me live in my fantasy because I don't want to hear the truth. I don't want to hear the warning. I don't want to hear what is hopeless. I want to I just hear what's good for me. Just tell me what I want to hear. This is how Isaiah is speaking of the people of Israel. And so often we find in our own world and those who reject Christ living the same delusion. Verse 11 says this, leave the way, turn aside from the path. Let us, listen, this is an absolutely shocking statement. Let us hear no more about the Holy One of Israel. I'm tired of hearing about what God says. I've rejected him, outright rejected him. That's a scary place to be. That's a place of hopelessness. That's a place of denying the wise counsel, his word, his instructions. And the reality is, I know I was there before I came to know who Jesus Christ was. I was in that same state. And if you know the Lord, you know you can reflect in your own life, that state in your life where you were absolutely rejecting the things of God. And you found yourself in this place of hopelessness. What's amazing is I love this. In the same chapter that we read about the condition of the people of Israel, we also see the hope, the promise of a Lord who is kind and gracious. Isaiah chapter 30, verse 18. Right after you hear the people rejecting God, denying Him, not wanting to hear about the Holy One of Israel, you see this passage in verse 18 of chapter 30, Therefore... The Lord waits to be gracious to you. And therefore, he exalts himself to show mercy to you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Blessed are those who wait for him. For a people shall dwell in Zion, in Jerusalem. You shall weep no more. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. As soon as he hears it, he answers you. And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet your teacher will not hide himself anymore. The counselor, the wisdom, the the wonderful counselor, the mediator, the advocate, the one who makes intercessions for us, he's not going to hide himself from us. But your eyes shall see your teacher. And your ears shall hear a word behind you saying, This is the way, walk in it. This is the prophecy of Isaiah. As Jesus spoke in John chapter 14. As Jesus spoke in John chapter 14, He says this, I am the way. I am the truth. And the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. It's profound when you start walking through this prophecy that was written of a promised coming king, a coming servant who would take on this massive problem we have and he would become our wonderful, wonderful counselor, our mediator. Today, as I conclude, the question that we have to answer The question in our own hearts we have to deal with is this. Are you going to be like Israel? Are you just going to want your ears tickled? Are you just going to want the smooth things said to you? Are you going to deny and reject the promised message of a hope of a future mediator, a wonderful counselor in your life? Are you going to deny the very word of God and what it speaks for you? Do you see yourself in this condition of absolute hopelessness where there is no hope without a mediator without a wonderful counselor are we going to choose our own way with our own strength with our own intellect are we going to walk in our own pride and arrogance if you will walking in rebellion or are we going to seek pursue prioritize our relationship with the amazing, wonderful counselor, the person of Jesus. This is a question we have to wrestle with. And if you're here and you do not know the Lord, I want to encourage you, it's really simple. It's really simple. It's not complicated. He's not an evil God. He's a mediator. He knows you in every way, shape, and form. And his desire is that you would come to him. And through him, you would restore your relationship with the Father. You would allow him to mediate, to give you this wonderful counselor. Call on him. Call on his name, the name of Jesus, to be, in fact, your Savior. The one you need more than anything. And to the church, listen, we we have an amazing, wonderful counselor. We have an amazing mediator. How often are we actually taking his word and applying it to our life? Or are we like the nation of Israel being rebellious seeking our own way denying the truth that are laid out right before us every day and choosing our own path the words of Isaiah the prophecy of Isaiah tell us that the coming savior the coming hope for humanity is in fact a wise counselor and we have access to that wise counselor in the person of Jesus the promise of this child that would be born for the sake of us dealing with the major hopeless problem we have, and that is the hopeless problem of sin. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you for these words given to us in the book of Isaiah. Lord, we pray as a church we would continue to lift your name up and seek after you, Lord, that you would deal in our hearts the things and the conditions that are rebellious against you. And Lord, if there's anybody here that's watching online or in, in the room, Lord, if, if they've never called on you and they find themselves in that state of hopelessness, Lord, that they would turn to the promise, the promised message of a hope, of a, of a servant king who would come to redeem the lost. I pray that they would call out on your name, Lord Jesus, and ask you to be their Lord and their master and their savior. I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.